This is a Hot Pie Media Original. Our world needs more leaders to raise their, you know, to rise up, whether it's their hand, their voice, or take their action. But if anyone was sitting on the sidelines thinking, I'm not prepared enough, I don't know enough, I didn't get enough degrees, I don't have enough experience, I'm like, put it to the aside, you know, because this is a new, it's a new world that we're in. And it, the new world needs people who can lead in any way that they feel like they, you know, people can follow, people can change, people can be inspired by that. Hi, I'm Eric Corum, and this is The Blueprint. I've been spending my life helping Olympic gold medalists, NFL, and NCAA athletes be the best at their craft. Now I'm taking that experience and translating it into your life. This podcast is for busy professionals and household CEOs who care deeply about their family, career, and their health. There's an ocean of content to wade through, but I do the heavy lifting for you and distill cutting-edge science, leadership, and life skills into simple tactics optimized for your lifestyle and goals. Business growth strategist, entrepreneur, keynote speaker, and author Kathleen Wood is the CEO and founder of Kathleen Wood Enterprises. Before the launch of her business portfolio, Kathleen was the president and COO of Raising Cane's Chicken Fingers during a time of unprecedented growth. In this episode, we discuss accelerating personal and professional growth, why you must break down to break through, and how clarity plus alignment equals results. But before we get to my interview with Kathleen, in 2020, I left a 15-year career in the NFL and NCAA sports to start a company called AIM7. I wanted to use my expertise in wearable technology to move past unscientific recommendations like walking 10,000 steps a day and deliver real solutions to help people improve their health and well-being. AIM7 is an app that uses your health data from wearable devices like the Apple Watch and Aura Ring to create small, scientific, personalized recommendations to help you sleep better, increase your energy, reduce your stress, or lose weight. If you're a busy person and needs a simple solution to your health and wellness, then AIM7 is for you, and it's free. If you're ready to finally unlock the power of your wearable data, then go to www.aim7.com. That's AIM7.com to get early and free access to our exclusive program. AIM7 starts small and starts with you, your health data, your values to get to your thriving life. But now it's time to lean in and learn from the best. Well, Kathleen, it's exciting to have you on the podcast today. Thank you for joining us. Well, thank you, Eric. I'm thrilled to be here and so excited about our conversation today. I can't wait. So you are a growth strategist. What what does that mean? You know, there's a growth strategist, in my definition, is an individual that believes in the leadership or believes in a person's vision and then helps them through the process of clarity and alignment to get themselves to their vision in the most productive, positive, and profitable way possible. And, you know, it's been a journey that I've been so blessed to be on for the vast majority of my career. And it's really, you know, allowed me to work with so many great people who've gone on to build great businesses that are doing great things in our, not only in business, but in our world today. Wow. You know, I want to come back to this concept of clarity here in just a second. But now with social media, there are a lot of people that say they can do things. 
I don't know how many times you get LinkedIn spam mail. It's like, hey, I help people do X, Y, and Z. My favorite one is people that reach out to me on LinkedIn or Instagram, and I've almost got 10,000 followers. And like, hey, I want to grow. I can help you grow to 20,000 followers. And they got 100. I'm like, why don't you go do it yourself first? And sorry, I'm not trying to be rude, but you have actually done it. And so you were the COO at Raising Cane's, which love their chicken, by the way. Thank you. When Great they, chicken. When they had unprecedented growth. Can you talk about like what changed and, and maybe a little bit about that story? Because I think that really validates you as well as the other things that you have done to be able mm-hmm. to speak into this situation. Well, I think a couple of things, you know, one in my consulting practice, Kathleen Wood Partners, you know, again, another cleverly named business, <laughs> you know, we, t- I tend to focus in our team tends to focus in on really looking at a couple of key areas. One, what's the strategy for growth? How do we optimize the business for growth? How do we really, really get the team performing at a high level to be able to accelerate through that growth? And then how do we envelope all that into a healthy, productive culture? And one of the great things as it relates to Raising Cane's was a lot of people don't know this, but I was very fortunate to meet the founder of Raising Cane's, Todd Graves, when I was just starting out as a growth strategist and he had two Raising Cane's locations. And we met at a conference that I was hosting called Concepts of Tomorrow. And at the end of the day, Todd and I got together and I was living in New York at the time and he was in Baton Rouge and he's like, I'd really like you to come to our, you know, come down and see my restaurants. And I was like, sure. You know, and I told my business partner, I was going to Baton Rouge and they're like, where, where the heck is Baton Rouge? I'm like, <laughs> it's, it's the capital of Louisiana. And I went down there and I just saw this magic happening. You know, people, great, great crew members, great managers, so passionate. Todd, you know, truly a passionate, dedicated leader and customers that were loving the chicken. So for six years, I served as a consultant with Todd, where um, we literally split up the company and I went down to Baton Rouge every month, every, every a w- one week a month for almost six years. And then, you know, the Raising Cane's got to about 15 units and Todd's like, I think I'm good. And I'm like, I think you're good too, you know? Mm. And, uh, but then, you know, he called me one day and he said, look, I know you just opened that leadership institute. Like I did. And he goes, and it's all set up. And I'm like, it is. He goes, would you, you know, I'd like to travel the world a bit while my children are still young. Would you like to come in and be the president and CEO of Raising Canes? And I was like, awesome. You know, it was a great opportunity for me to go be in a business with a person that I loved and respected and with a Mm. team that I had worked with for such a long time. And, you know, so I went in there. And long story short, you know, they always say when you go in to become a president, you know, COO, always take your 90 day plan. I had it. I was ready. First 30 days went great. Second 30 days began with Hurricane Katrina hitting. And uh, so the 90 day plan doesn't really, uh, you know, you don't really think I should prepare for an epic uh, catastrophe. But but because we were doing a lot of planning at Raising Canes, we were prepared. And so for the next 18 to 24 months, I worked with Todd and the team and we grew Raising Canes from a $24 million brand to $125 million. We grew to 68 locations. We spread out across the United States and we did all of this while still recovering and supporting communities throughout Louisiana and the Southeast. And it was an amazing experience. Wow. I did not realize it was that much growth during that time. Yep. What do you attribute? What? How many uh, units were there when you started? Twenty. Well, when I started as president, there were 24. And then we, we popped it up to 68 within about a 24-month period of time. What was the, like, What do you attribute that success to? You know, I always take it back to some principles that I truly believe 
you know, great leaders, you know, embrace and great companies really execute against. And the first thing to me is having, you know, clarity of vision, right? The clearer the leader, the clearer the team. We were very clear at Raising Cane's that our number one priority was the safety of our crew and our customers. So it made our decisions during Katrina super simple because we didn't, we closed down early, we reopened methodically, we weren't under any pressure except to keep everyone safe. So that clarity, just that one simple statement of keeping our crew and customers safe gave us the clarity to get ourselves out of a really challenging situation and get ourselves poised for growth within about six months after Katrina. And because we were already planning to grow, we had a team that, you know, um, shared the vision, you know, systems that supported the vision and a culture of just, you know, look, we're going to work hard. We're going to have fun and we're going to recover and we're going to grow and we are going to bring Raising Canes to the world. Mm. I love that. Why? What is the obstacle keeping organizations from having clarity? Because it seems like a simple task, but obviously it's not. You know, I, I, you're so right, Eric. You know, to me, everyone goes, you know, if you really think about it, when I started out consulting, I would say, oh yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to help with clarity and alignment. And it was like, uh, you know, we, we are, we already have that. We got we that one done. Pay for that to happen. Can't you do something else? You know, I'm like, well, I know origami. They're like, we don't need origami. So, you know, when you start to think about it, they, everyone believes they have clarity. Everyone believes they have alignment, but the reality of it is when I look at a company and I see those really long vision statements that are like, you know, three paragraphs long, I'm like, okay, this is an organization that lacks clarity. Uh, because if you can't get your vision statement, you know, really significantly down into what I call the 16-year-old test, which says if a 16-year-old young adult can't understand your vision statement, then you are you do not have clarity. It's mm. gotta, it's gotta be that crystal clear. And I think so many times in business, people get under the gun, they have to come up with something, they're getting, you know, get committees working on it and they get frustrated, they get impatient, they get exhausted by it. So they're just like, just put those last three paragraphs up and we'll just force everyone to memorize them. I'm like, oh, that's so inspiring. So <laughs> I, I really think it's to get clarity takes a lot of hard work. And sometimes people just stop before, you know, they hit the finish line. Wow. Now, how do you trickle? I'm, I just kind of want to go into personal life. I want to bounce in and out of this just for a totally. minute. We kind of talked about this offline, but how do you bring clarity to your personal life? Because it's, it, I, I hate to say this, but it, it's almost a little bit easier when you step into work to compartmentalize and be like, I'm going to work on this for clarity here. But I don't think a lot of people have clarity and vision for their own life. Right. Well, you know what? It's a, it's an interesting thing, right? Because we can get so engulfed in business that we could actually start to believe that the business is our life. Mm -hmm. And I honestly did suffer from that for a long time. I was, you know, look, when you're a high flying consultant, you're going to great events with amazingly awesome people and, you know, seeing the world, it is a, it is a, it truly is a blessed you know, for me, it was a blessed lifestyle. It was, it was amazing lifestyle. Um, and, but over time, what you start to realize is, you know, what are you doing on Saturday night? Oh, I'm sitting at home by myself. You know, mm. when, when's the last time I really had meaningful conversations with my friends when I wasn't running through an airport or trying to find my rental car or something to this effect, right? So I, for me, one of the things that I started to employ was the same practices that I 
actually employ with my clients. I started to employ with myself. And I literally did sit down and start writing my 10-year plan, my five-year plan. What do I want to accomplish next year? And instead of starting it out with, what did I want for my business? What did I want for the businesses I'm involved with? I actually just started out with, what did I want for myself? Hmm. Because at the end of the day, it kind of comes back to that whole uh, thing in the airplane, right? You have to put your oxygen mask on first before you put, take it. And if I can't show up great for the people that I'm supporting and working with, because I'm not great myself, then I'm really kind of doing an injustice to all of us. Yeah. I mean, I really appreciate you saying that. And you mentioned like this, the, the founder of Raising Canes was like, Hey, I want to go see my kids for the next few years. Yeah. And so fortunately he had a relationship with you, but he, he was able to have clarity in his own life. Which then he could then like align himself with what he wanted to do business wise and it evidently worked out really well. But I just think I see a lot of people now, I don't know if it's, you know, that we're going through this thing called the great resignation. And more, uh. more, you know, a lot of people are uh, resigning their jobs and we actually have a shortage of workers. People just don't want to work. But the, like people just like, I think COVID caused a lot of people to slow down. Now I left my job in 2020, but I had been working on something since 2019. So it just so happened to, and you'll find this funny. I didn't tell the people I was working for why I was doing it. They didn't need a, they didn't need an explanation, but they thought I was being rash. And I'm like, no, I've been working on this for quite a while. I have some investors, you know, but what, but like, um, you know, right now there's a lot of people seeking clarity. Do you have any recommendations on maybe a few things they could do in their personal life? Like, what did you do? Did you sit down and be like, where do I want to be in five years? And then kind of just, how, how would you yeah. just, a few things to start? I think there's a couple of things that you have to kind of, first you have to, like, I like this. I don't like the idea of this great resignation, but I totally can appreciate it. I yeah. think COVID, you know, was a universal, made everyone kind of stop in their tracks and reassess. Crisis, crisis does do that, whether it's a COVID, whether it's a hurricane, whatever the scenario may be, it crisis does make you stop a little bit if, and take a breath, right? So I tend to believe the philosophy that you have to break down before you can break through. And so breaking down means you have to resign some of these things that you've thought. You have to let go of some of these things. And not all of that's easy. Um, not all of that is joyful. But if you can stay in it, you'll break through to the other side. And in that breaking through to the other side, that's where we have the freedom to now say, you know, to what is my vision for my life? How do I want to live my life? How do I want to live, you know, part of my, you know, with my family and my friends? And what what more do I want? Because, you know, no one ever has their whole uh, career bio, you know, their career bio on their headstone at the end of the day. No. They have the people that love them. And I think that that's, I think it's really important to first accept that there is some grief that happens before you get to greatness. Right. There, and then I think, you know, those are two huge statements, grief before greatness. I hope people are taking notes on this and a breakdown before breakthrough. That's really powerful. Keep going. Sorry. Totally. Well, you know, and then I, I probably like many other people. I mean, I sat down and, you know, at the beginning of this year and I'm like, okay, I'm going to revisit my 10 year plan. I'm going to look at this. And I spent a, you know, I try to be very conscious of spending time on making sure that 
I'm staying balanced in my world, right? It may not be everyone's definition of balance, but it works for me. It keeps me healthy, happy, and, you know, uh, in a good place to be able to positively impact others. But as I was writing it this year, I started to look at it. I'm like, what the heck here? I'm looking out at 10 years and I'm like, do I really want to wait 10 years to get all this? Why don't I just start doing some of this right now? And I took that 10 year plan and I did exactly what I do with my clients and asked the question, how can I accelerate this? How can I accelerate this to five to three to right now? And that's when I made the decision that, you know, this was going to be my year to really focus in on my health on you know, having more fun in my life, having more freedom to be with my friends and family. And, you know, even in a COVID world, there's still a lot of space for movement. You, by the way, you look fantastic. Oh, thank you so much, Eric. Yeah, it's, the, could, it's getting sunlight for the first time. That's awesome. You, cause you live in the, uh, in the Chicago area, right? I do. I do. Yeah. The sun, the, you know, being out in the sun is, is so important, but you really do look fantastic. Uh, you know, when we don't, when we drop our health, it's hard for us to be high performers. A lot of teams I've worked with sports, right. And like the head coach is typically the most unhealthy person. <laughs> Yes. And, they're, and they're they're asking their players. My mom actually brought this up to me. There's a coach called Lane Kiffin. He's at Ole Miss. Totally. And uh, he said after the season last year, he's talking to the players about, hey, you need to start eating better and all this kind of stuff. And he said, I looked at myself in the mirror and I was like, I'm a whale. And he lost like 30 something pounds. But if you can't take care of yourself, how can you expect to lead an organization? You're not going to be making the best decisions. You're not going to have the ability to slow down because you're going to be exhausted you know, you're not filling your cup in other areas. So I appreciate you being vulnerable about that. Oh, you know, my pleasure. And I really, because I really do believe it. You know, if you think about it, people that grow businesses, they build a team of people around them to support them in the execution of that business. And what I realized this year was that I needed a team of people around me to support me in what I wanted and how I wanted to live a healthier life. And, you know, and, and then I was like, I have, I can, all it is is a phone call. All it is is making appointments. All it is is finding the right people. You know, you talk about, um, which I so love is how people become high performers. Well, they don't do it by themselves. Uh, yet I think a lot of times, as people were like, I, well, you know, I could never call and ask a nutritionist to talk to me. I'm what, who am I? You know, and it's kind of like, well, who are you? You're very important to a lot of people. Get out yes. there and call that nutritionist. There's something called the zone of proximal development. And it's this concept that there's only so much you can do without the guidance of an expert. And so oh, like, good. as the expert comes into the situation and expands your knowledge and capability, then you can do more. So like if you want to play golf, you do what? You'll get a golf instructor. And then right. all of a sudden the golf instructor teaches you how to grip the club and how to get your stance right. It's the same thing for you in business. Like if I want to grow my business and I, there's a knowledge gap, you got to go get an expert. If I want to be more healthy, well then follow me on Instagram and I'll teach you or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. But exactly. You're engaging. This is something I was introduced to by a friend, uh, Matt Wallert recently. And I was like, man, I've been doing this my whole life and I never knew the term for it. So anyways, there you go. It makes so much, and you know, and if you couple that, I recently read this article by um, the gentleman who wrote the book, The Power of Ted, which mm -hmm. is all about breaking this drama triangle that we can get ourselves pulled into. And he, he made a great point. He said, at a certain point, you have to decide what's what's more about what it is. Are you being selfish by taking your, care of yourself and maybe not being there for everybody? Or are you valuing your self-worth? 
And I think it's such a great idea, right? Because so many people think I can't go, you know, I can't take a day off. I can't do this. I can't because it's so selfish. Mm -hmm. But the real reality of it is it's really about investing in our self-worth so we could be more for ourselves and for others. And I just love that idea to your point too. That's why you go out and you find the experts to help you Mm. because it's an investment then. I love this. So I want to zoom back out to business. I want to kind of play this game for a second, okay? Totally. Because the the things that you do, I think, apply in the corporate setting and the the personal setting. You and I talked about this before, and you you hit some nerves with me that some things (laughs) I saw in my career and that I definitely don't want to make the same mistakes as I'm building my business. But what are some of the commonalities of leaders that succeed and those that fail? We're going to take a break for just a moment to talk about how you can get exclusive content designed for high performers just like you. If you're looking for information and resources to improve your health, well-being, and performance, then sign up for my free high-performance newsletter adaptation. Just go to www.erickcorum.com and sign up now. When you sign up, I'll send you my ultimate sleep cheat sheet, my guide on how to get a great night of sleep. This newsletter is my effort to bring zero cost high-performance resources and tools to anyone with a desire to improve. Now, back to the show. So I like to use, there's a couple things. I'm, I'm a big acronym person. I have figured this out in my life. And so one of the acronyms I love to use is the acronym CAR, right? C-A-R. And to me, that represents when you have clarity plus alignment, it equals results. And if you just put that into simple terms of life, very few of us ever get into the car and we don't know where we're going. You know, and, you know, unless, you know, under some other circumstances, but we typically always know where we're going when we put a key into the car and we go somewhere. But when I think about business leaders, there's so many out there that, you know, they're putting the key in that proverbial front door every day and they don't really, they're just trying to survive the day. They're just trying to make it through to cover payroll. They're just trying to get to the other side. And so their car is really not working very well. So I think great business leaders truly spend quiet time, stillness, getting clarity about what is it that we are going to, what is it that we want to achieve? What is it that we want to impact? What what do we want our legacy to be? And they invest the time to really know that about themselves. And when they know that, they're then, uh, they're then able to articulate that to others. So they start to attract the people onto their team that will help them with that because they can articulate to the team what they want. Mm. Um, And the team becomes more empowered in that process. So I think really having that crystal clear clarity and then having team members who really are aligned to that. And then the third thing in my mind is supporting that with a plan, you know, direction and systems that allow people to be great at what they do. Um, and I think when you when you have those three pieces there, you can then build a healthy culture around it where you can have conversations where you agree to disagree, but because you're all aligned to where you want to go. And, and when you think about this in sports and you work with so many amazing athletes, Eric, I mean, you, you're, I mean, just amazing. I wish I had a, you know, a photo of every single person that you've worked with. It'd be the hall, all-star of all, <laughs> hall of fame, all-star group. But, you know, when you think about sports teams, that's why when you think about these dynasties, what yes. did they have vision, you know, clarity, 
the, you know, uh, they had teams that aligned to it. They had systems that supported it and they had a culture that was like we're a culture of champions. Is this the power of one strategy that we talked totally, about? Totally. It is. You want to double click on that for a second? Yeah. To me, the power of one, you know, I studied a lot of sports teams too. I actually studied dynasties of sports teams. I studied fortune one top 100s, uh, most admired companies. And I started to see what is the common, what are the common denominators that all of these groups doesn't matter. Even if you looked at college basketball, high school debate teams that had legacies, you know, what do they all have in common? And typically they had this very clear vision they had very clear leadership that supported that vision. They had a team that was aligned to it. They had the systems and processes in place to support it. And then they had the culture that allowed them to live, lead, and learn from it. And, you know, people can say anything they want about the New England Patriots or University of Alabama or the UConn women's basketball team or, you know, any one of those great or the New York Yankees any one of those great organizations and you can see that in their DNA. And for one brief moment in Chicago, the Chicago Cubs did have that in their DNA. It just took a short 108 years to get there. <laughs> and now Theo's and gone, now, right? And now it's gone. Now yeah. it's, when, you trade, when you trade away your team, you know, these things happen. Did you read the book uh, that Theo wrote? Oh my gosh. What is the name of it? I'll have to remember. I read this phenomenal book. I think he was one that authored it. Or it was, and it was about the, how it all started and the processes oh they put in place. Gosh, I got to find this. It was phenomenal. Yeah. Theo Epstein. Yeah. Right. Well, look what he did. Vision, ownership, vision, you know, leadership with Joe Madden, team with all those amazing players, process in place, you know, keep it fun. We just play in baseball culture. Let's play to win. Yeah. If only the I mean, Bears I know it's not that it. simple, but. Uh, the Bears. Let's not go there, Eric. We're having <laughs> such a positive conversation. I'm such positive. But you know what? Green Bay is a great organization. You know, all my Bears people probably hit me for saying, but look at Green Bay. I mean, yeah. or the, the, the Patriots, but yeah, the Bears. Sorry. You know, 1985 in Chicago, it's like it was just yesterday. I'm like, it was 1985, people. Yes. With, uh, <laughs> with, uh, was it Juice? No, uh, no, no. Jim McMahon Jim and McMahon the fridge and the fridge yeah. and the sweetness of Walter Payton. The sweetness. That's right, man. That was, um, in the, in the Saturday night live, the bears, <laughs> the bears. <laughs> I keep going back to that. So right. you, you told me once about, okay, if you have to have, uh, you got to have clarity alignment that equals results. You right. got to have a team. Yep. <clears throat> you brought up something called cultural candles, right? What so are cultural I candles? Here's what I think. I think when a team and a leader aren't aligned, you get another one of my favorite acronyms, which is DCC, drama, clutter, and crap, because <laughs> uh, misalignment leads to all of that, right? And, and everyone that's ever worked somewhere knows, you know, that it's coming. Now, what, what just shines a brighter light on that is when you have a, a very unique person in the group on the team, which is called a cultural candle. And in my mind, these are typically somebody who, uh, for whatever reason, has an, just an impenetrable bond with that leader. Um, and, you know, and I've seen it play out so many times in my consulting world, like one minute I'll meet this person when the company's small and they're the vice president of something. And then as the company's growing, we realize that they really don't have any capabilities for that, but they're, but they're not going to be leaving the company. So now we make them the director of something. And then the company gets bigger and we find out that they're, they can't be a director. Okay, now you're the manager of something. And then I usually start to have these conversations like, well, I think we can make them the personal assistant of something now. Mm. And the 
the leader always says, well, how are they, how is it that they're regressing? <laughs> like, well, because they were overtitled early on. And now as we're trying to figure out capabilities and competencies, we're really starting to find out that they're just a really good friend of yours. You know, not, not a lot of contribution here. And the things that they need to be contributing, the rest of the team is. And that's why I always, um, so everyone says, well, who are these people? And I always call them these cultural candles because they're people that have been there since the beginning. So they really take pride in this is how our culture is going to be. And they, they're constantly taking their little light and shining it, saying, this is how our culture should be. And the unfortunate thing about it is that businesses outgrown them, outpaced them, and the team is outperforming them. But the leader has a challenging time of letting them go. And I really believe for most leaders, it's the hardest decision they have to make is to let, you know, is to proverbially and literally blow out this cultural candle. But that person is, to me, a, uh, a small business is not ready to grow until the cultural candle has been blown out. Once that candle's been blown out, we're ready to grow because now the leader is ready to trust their team of people that they have there and not this one little candle that has continued to persist. And it sounds like at this point, the leaders demonstrated their capability to make very difficult decisions. Exactly. That's why it's the hardest to sit. Like I have seen people mm -hmm. wait years, you know, I I've resigned out of the account, but the candle still persists. It is my kind of a moment truth as a consultant. Cause I'm like, look, we can't go anywhere. We've worked around every single way, you know, they're working one day a week and they're still creating havoc when they're here. And uh, so at this point, I can't help you anymore until you're ready to really make the decision that everybody knows needs to be made. Wow. And, you know, and I've been guilty of it too. And, you know, I have a family business with my sister, Sue, you know, I've had, I've been guilty of it too. We, we all kind of find that one person that we just think we can't do it without them. And we realize that uh, a lot's being done around them. Yeah. Let me ask you a question about your gut instincts. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I've made decisions and then there's these feelings I get in my stomach and they just kind of last like, gosh, you know, how do you balance out your gut with, and how do you kind of double check on it? Like when I make a hire hiring decision, when you start feeling something about a situation, like, Hmm, I don't know about this person anymore. Like, do you just immediately go in and do it? Or is it, you know what I'm saying? It's kind of one of those yeah. things. The more you do this, the more you make these difficult decisions, the more you hire people, hopefully the better you get. Oh my gosh. And your I processes so. get better, but how long do you let that gut feeling go before you just act on it? Well, I kind of believe in a few things as a person. I, I really believe that no one person should ever hold back the greater good. I really do believe that even if they're the greatest person in America or in the company or in the team, but that one person should not have the power to hold everyone else back. So that's one philosophy I kind of go with. The second philosophy I go with is to hire, um, you know, hire slow, fire fast, because um, if you spend more time in the hiring process, you know, it gives you less opportunity to be in the firing process. But if you're going to be in the firing process, it can't be by a thousand cuts, just swift sword, you know, move on. And then the third thing is I used to rationalize my gut. Um, you know, early in my career, I would rationalize and say, oh, you know what? Maybe I'm just looking at it. Maybe I'm too hard. Maybe I'm too harsh. Maybe my standards are too high. Maybe no one will ever hit my expectations. 
And then I realized that is just not correct. You know, it is like, don't, don't compromise down to accommodate, you know, get people to write, you know, coach and see if people can rise up. And so that's my third piece on that is I'll, I will coach you and I will work with you, but man, if you're not willing to put in as much effort as I am, then, then, you know, we're not, that's why I'm not in human resources and I'm a growth strategist. <laughs> uh, but then we're on to the next thing now because there's plenty of great people out there. You know, I used to work for somebody and they would, t- and this was the head of a big football program. And he would say, Eric, your standards are just too high. And I was just, I'd be like, man, how is this even pot? And it, I ended up having to leave. Um, right. And that was hard to hear because I'm like, you should have the highest standards. You should be telling me like, Eric, Hey, I, I think you need to up, up, like level up in this area. And, um, I hate to say this, but most people just don't have those type of standards. Like I find it's not typical and that's why not everybody, I think if not everybody does outsize things because there's a certain level and I'm not trying to be condescending. Nope. But not everybody's willing to hold themselves accountable too. It's not about holding other people. It's like, hey, where where am I screwing up? How can I get better? How can I go get somebody like Kathleen to audit so that I can improve myself so I can make the team better? I mean, what do you think it is that's holding people back? Well, you know, I think, yeah, it's such a great point, right? Sometimes I think it's because people honestly believe they can't be more than they are. And and it's always stunning to me because we always see, you know, people always see more in ourselves than we sometimes see in our own selves, right? You know, you said something earlier about this kind of constant unemployment that we have. And I'm a very big believer that part of the reason why we have such great unemployment and people resigning is because we have a leadership deficit in the world. Like who is leading and inspiring people to think they could be great, to think Mm -hmm. that they could be more than, to believe that there is something bigger for them out there. Right. If I'm working in retail or well, pretty much anywhere. Right. If you know who's the leader and are they are, is that leader? And I'm not saying it's the job of the leader to come in, you know, rainbow and sunshine every day. But I do think it is the responsibility of leaders to, you know, teach, coach and lead people to rise and to believe and to have faith that, you know, there's there's big bright days out there even on the challenging ones and i think mm-hmm. when you're in the workplace and you're going to work every day and it is not inspiring and it is truly just you know i'm just showing up going to do my job and go home it it's it, it sets the bar a lot lower to resign from it wow that's so true there is a leadership deficit in the corporate space and in the homes 100% and covid truly like like, look, if you were working in a business during COVID and you were being treated not great, you know, just like crap pretty much the whole time, yeah. what is inspiring you to like, you could pay me $50 an hour. <laughs> I am not inspired to come back and be treated terribly right. by the people in my business and by the customers who are frustrated by the labor shortage. Hmm. So it's easier, you know, I'm going to try to find something that, you know, which we all should be doing. I'm going to find something that's going to bring me joy. I I may not know what it is, but I certainly know what, what, what I was in. Yes. I'm not going back to that. Yeah. And I I think it's good. And I just think that we do need to have those leaders rise up and um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for it. I'm trying to lead in my home and in my business and in my community. And I think, I think we're going to start seeing some of this. I have some friends, a friend of mine just launched his gubernatorial race for the state of Illinois yesterday. 
Um, yeah, I know. Pretty exciting. And this is a guy that, you know, I think is going to inspire some folks. He's done some outsized things as a young man. He's, you know, anyways, but I'm starting to see people like, you know what? I'm ready to lead. I'm, I'm going to yes. take the reins. I'm going to step up. And, um, and we need that in our businesses too, where, um, there's nothing like going to work every day and you hate it. But Ugh. when somebody has clarity and you're aligned and you feel like you are part of the mission, like you have to tell people to go home. Right. Well, then it's not a job anymore. Then we're all rowing the boat together. Right. And I think that, you know, I agree with you, Eric. I believe that we're in this interesting time where the where our world needs more leaders to raise their, you know, to rise up, whether it's their hand, their voice or take their action. But if anyone was sitting on the sidelines thinking, I'm not prepared enough, I don't know enough, I didn't get enough degrees, I don't have enough experience, I'm like, put it to the aside. You know, because this is a new, it's a new world that we're in and it, the new world needs people who can lead in any way that they feel like they, you know, people can follow, people can change, people can be inspired by that. Mm. And that's why I think we see, you know, to be honest in social media, not that I say there's millions of great leaders, but you know, that's why when you see all these TikTok phenomena, right? Because what are people looking for? They're just looking for somebody who's thinking differently, thinking about how to do something differently. And they're responding to that because we know what we've been doing hasn't worked extraordinarily well all the time. So let's, let's all be open. So this is the time I think everyone should, if you, if you have the inkling of a leader, you should be nurturing it, growing it and going for it. Do you do stuff on TikTok? Uh, actually through our family company, Susie Swirl. Uh -huh. Yes, we do do things. And you'd be amazed by how many people want to watch a video of us taking mint chip ice cream and adding toppings to it and making it into <laughs> I want to watch like that. Little, I mean, it's fascinating. You know, 50, you can find your tribe. Us. You said 50,000? 50,000 people watched us transform mint chip ice cream yogurt into, you know, this concoction of toppings. How about that? It's so, yeah. you know, I really think, you know, for all the negativity that can be out there, if you're wise about it, you can really go help folks or you can, you can, you can call out to, I, I use the word tribe of, of, of your team, so to speak, of people that are interested in mint chocolate chip ice cream, or they're interested yep. in lawn and gardening, or they want to be a, you know, I, there's this person I follow. I have nothing to do. Like she's speaking to mothers about, um, mindsets that they go through as a mother and how they have the, you know, self-deprecating mindset. I'm not good enough. And I just was attracted to her like realism and I just follow her, <laughs> you know, cause I'm like, right. I'm like, wow, that's like a really good message. And I just think it's, I think there is some power behind that. And then if you know how to then follow that up with a message, I hate to say a product, but a way to serve those folks, it can be a really powerful platform. Um, I think so too. So you've been around a lot of high performers. Yes. You've developed high performing teams. What does high performance mean to you? Yeah. So to me, I think when the, there's a couple of definitions I use on this, but you know, in football, when the offensive line knows what it should be doing and the defensive line knows what it should be doing and they execute extraordinarily well, but they don't have to talk to each other to be able to perform their jobs at that level. Uh -huh. That to me is a high performing team. Right. Mm. And when I think about a high performing team, it's a team that consists of 
people on that team, and I hate, you know, it's a, a redundant again, but they have clarity of what they're trying to achieve. They have alignment of how they'll get there, but they've also created an environment where they can have the discussions around what's working, what's not, what, how do we improve? How do we get there faster? How do we do it more efficiently? How do we do it more effectively? Where the team really does have that ownership of not only their position, but the process and the outcome. And when you have something like that, I think it's so magical. You know, I'll go back to raising canes, you know, during Hurricane Katrina, we only had, we had 1800 people that worked for us at that time. um, And only about 15 of them were over the age of 25. So when you think about growing a company and coming back from, uh, you know, devastation, right? You're doing it with people that are 17, 18, 19, 20 years old. And, you know, and the reason why I know that statistic is because we had to get these trucks and we had to scour around to find anyone over the age of 25 who could drive a truck because under the age of 25, no one could rent a car or a truck. So, you know, it was this handful that we had, but that to me was a high performing team that the Raising Cane's team at that moment in time, they were clear. We were going to reopen. We were going to rebuild and we were going to not only rebuild our business, but rebuild our communities. Mm-hmm. And they, they knew what the mission was. They knew their role in that mission and they worked tirelessly to achieve that. And to me, that was one of the highest performing teams I've ever seen in my life. Wow. I just love, I, we're talking about clarity here, but you, you do bring so much clarity to when you answer a question. This is very unique. I've been taking a lot of notes. Have you been noticing? I keep typing on my, my, my laptop. I thought you were just being kind and doing emails, Eric. So this is very nice. No, no, this is, I, I have tons of, I've been highlighting all sorts of things. Cause I'm thinking about like, okay, when I talk to my team later today, do they own the position, the process and the outcome? And how can I help them do that? Because when you put people in those positions, you empower creative decisions, creative mm-hmm. ideas, and then you create these teams within teams, a little autonomous structures. Uh, we're not there yet, but I could see how raising canes, you have all these different units. You need them to be in a sense. Um, so what habits or practices have you put into your life to help you consistently perform at your best? Yeah, it's a great one. So I haven't always, I'll be honestly, honestly say this, it's always been a part of my evolution, right? So sometimes I can get really highly invested into something and it works until it doesn't work anymore, right? But a few things that I really started to do um, and got super intentional about was how I started my day. And I watched this amazing movie called uh, The Miracle Morning. And it was about how you start your morning is how you can start your day. And so I do start, and it was all done in 10 minute increments, 10 minutes of silence, 10 minutes of meditation, 10 minutes of affirmation, 10 minutes of visualization. And then, you know, like 10 minutes of scribing, you know, writing, you know, what I was thinking. And I thought that's a, that's a really, that's so simple. I could do that anywhere, anytime. So, so that's one thing that I really have put this discipline in about how do I start my day and do I, and do I start my day intentionally? That's the first thing. The, the second thing for me is I have become very clear about my health after all these years of riding on planes and eating in all these great restaurants and sometimes having late night vending machine buffet parties. I have realized that, you know, uh, I want to, you know, I want to age gracefully and that way was not going to get me there. So really getting super intentional and building a team, you know, around me with, uh, you know, 
very fortunate that Mayo Clinic supports small business owners. So the Mayo Clinic, this amazing McLaughlin um, healthcare group that's in Lake Forest, Illinois, and truly getting that group around, you know, really circled around me. And then the third part about it is, is being far more intentional about just taking time for myself to be able to turn my brain off and to let it rest. And part of that for me this summer was, is, is we we're just going to sound every Wednesday, it was like Beach Wednesday. And I didn't schedule calls. It was whatever that day was going to be. That's that day. But but knowing that I was busy on weekends, knowing I was busy during the week, I just needed one day where there was no schedule. Mm. And I look back at that and I think, okay, that was an easy idea, but but it was one I was very committed to. And I think having that day without just being programmed from beginning to end ended up being like one of the greatest blessings for everything else I wanted to do. And it made mm. me a better person for everyone that I was with. I think that's fantastic. It's kind of like uh, I take Sundays off, right? Right. Um, and just like, just don't do anything from work. Usually like when the sun goes down, I'll go like work and like kind of think about my week and then kind of, right. but yeah, taking a day is something that's, it takes some discipline, but the mm-hmm. return is, is phenomenal. What are you doing right now to invest in your personal growth? Yeah. So right now I'll be honest with you. I just finished uh, writing my book and founderology. So- Founderology. Yes. Thank you so much. So I'm like, so, uh, literally I just took a vacation with, uh, 18 amazing friends for the last, uh, you know, the last week in Maine, you know, which is beautiful, something different, something new, but with amazingly wonderful people. But now one of my goals is that I really want to just start reaching out to people and talking to them about their stories Mm. and about you know, what's motivating them, what's moving them forward. So part of my personal growth now is being less introverted and more extroverted in terms of reaching out and connecting on a more deliberate way. Hmm. Uh, Because I really do think that going forward in our world, that collaboration is going to be the key to everyone's to, to so many levels of success. And you have to start being a collaborator before you can start saying you are, you know, before that's important to do. Wow. I love it. So if somebody wants to, they're like, okay, my business is now in a position to grow. Like we, <laughs> we actually have maybe some semblance of product market fit. Like you can't grow something unless the market wants it. How do they find you to get your services? Cause if you've listened to this and you don't realize this woman can deliver, I think you're kind of out of your mind. <laughs> well, thank, thank you, Eric. And right back at you too, by the way. Um, you know, I think the easiest way, Eric, is for people just to go on my website. It's kwoodpartners.com. I offer 15 minute consultations. I offer, you know, just to talk to people, um, find out what they're looking for. You know, we have a wide variety of products and services. You know, I think, you know, when I think about where my career is right now, and I've been so blessed in it that now my goal is to make, you know, kind of big time consulting accessible to all. And so I've tried to reinvent the consulting model so that it's available online on demand, but it's also affordable for people as they want to grow and and where they want to get to. So Mm -hmm. I think that's the easiest way just to go online at kwoodpartners.com and, you know, sit, drop an email or book 15 minutes and let's have a conversation. I love it. Kathleen, this has been fantastic. I really appreciate your time. And this is just, this has blessed my life. I know it's going to bless a lot of other people. So thank you so much for coming on today. 
Uh, Eric, you know what? I just want to say thank you to you. It is, uh, you know, I've had the great fortune to know your mom, Sandy, and and Dan as I've been going. And, you know, Sandy is truly a hero and an inspiration to me and, you know, and so many others. And I can honestly say I can see that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree with everything you're doing and the great work you're doing to help people be the best they can be both in life and in business. So thank you for this opportunity, but also thank you for everything you're doing every day to make the world a better place. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed today's podcast, I think you should check out episode 43 with Sandy Corum. Her insights on growing and scaling a business while raising a family, how to perform under pressure and developing resiliency might be of value to you. But between now and next time, thanks for listening and we'll see you soon. Thanks for listening. You can find more episodes and all of our other Hot Pie Media originals baked fresh daily at our home online at hotpiemedia.com, the Hot Pie Media YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts.